So what did you learn today in church? Never give a monkey a gun. Why in the world would your preacher subject you to a YouTube video this early in the sermon? Well, it proves a perfect point. We're going to be continuing our series of 1 John. We are going to be in the fourth chapter today. And as we begin, that video is is funny when I saw it. And uh, some people claim that it's not real, that it was just a promotion for one of the new Planet of the Apes movie that's coming out. But... Uh, clearly, they thought it was a funny game to see the cute little monkey hold a gun until he started shooting it at them. Well, we're going to be talking about God is love today. God is love. And the reason that video resonated with me, and I hope that it resonates with you, is that he is going to be talking, John is talking in the first part of this chapter about false prophets. And he's talking about uh, people that are teaching a love but not a biblical love. And in today's culture, more than ever, we hear people say, well, you just need to show love to everybody else. You need God is love. We, we don't want to talk about God's judgment. We don't want to talk about God's holiness. We don't want to talk about God's wrath. We don't want to talk about that there is an eternal destiny between either heaven or hell because that is just not loving. But John does a great job this morning of describing actual Biblical love as God has intended it. Our world slaps the label of love on anything that gives them significance and security, whether it is holy or not. We have strayed away from the truths that uh, what God's love really consists of. And many claims to be fueled by love. Many people claim love But all they do is they try to mask their own sins and their own inabilities by putting that label on it. John takes the mask off of love so that we can evaluate it for what it really is. Now, love is a powerful emotion, is it not? You remember your first love? Oh, it was so great. And some of you married your first love. Some of you are still looking for love. Uh, We... We all want that in our lives. We all want to belong. We all want to have someone to share that with, whether it is a family member or a significant other. But we can use love to actually have influences over others. Too many times we define love by how our society defines love, which leads to it being selfish and sinful. The world's definition of love is not what I can give to complete the other person, but it's about what I can get. My needs are not being met. You know, they won't pay me any attention. Or, uh, you know, I, I have just fallen out of love with someone I've been married to for 20 years. And, and I'm not saying that, that there are legitimate cases, but for the most part we have become so self-absorbed that love is not about what we can help other people accomplish or what we can do for other people, but about what we can get that is ours. And false teachers have taken the banner of love and distorted its true meaning of which God intended it for to manipulate others. Be careful of those claiming love and those who claim to love you, yet they have selfish motives. If anyone claims to love you, but it requires you to do something that is not biblical or against your will or is something you're not comfortable with, that is not love. 
They might say it's love, but that is not a godly love. That person, they may look good and they may have been around for a long time, but their effect will wreak havoc in your life and in your relationship with God. When we allow the message of what the world calls love to come into our lives, it will help us to to feel better about our sin and to not want to change it and just to continue in this cycle of what we can get for ourselves. But I'm telling you, if you ascribe to what the world calls love, your relationship with God is going to suffer. Well, we see here in verses 1 through 8 that love is not God. Love is not God, but God is love. And let me explain what that means. If we look in verses 1 through 8, we're going to start. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit who does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard that he is coming, and he is already in the world now. Well, uh, as we begin that, we are going to see that when people use the term love, especially in today's culture, it is not necessarily a godly love. John has gone to great lengths in his epistle of 1 John to say, number one, that God loves us, that God is light, and the theme of God being love as well. And so there is a great compromise that has taken place in the world today. The world has rejected a holy God. They, he has rejected a holy God for an all-inclusive love that minimizes and overlooks their sin. There is an absolute assault today. I'm just going to take this off. There is an absolute assault today that where people it, you are to overlook and minimize sin and against the authority of Scripture. The biblical model of marriage, for example, has come under scrutiny. Now no longer do we want the Bible to define what marriage is. Now we are depending on our court systems and our laws to define what marriage is. The biblical model for marriage between one man and one woman today is seen as outdated and hate-filled. Because we hear all the time, if you love, so you should be able to love whoever you want. Well, that is true. The Bible does tell us to love everyone, but it does not tell us to forsake natural relations for immoral relations. That is, you cannot legislate that away. But yet we say, if you, if you don't let whoever marry whatever kind of they want to marry, where do you stop? Today, it's same-sex marriages. What do you do now in the future when there's actually been uh, movements that actually people that love Younger children would like to get married. Where do you draw the line on that? And when that comes to pass, how far do we go to where we, we let the legal system 
quote-unquote, validate the sin and the twistedness that our world carries. And, and the banner that they use for that is love. Well, God is love, and He wants you to love whoever you want to love. The heart wants what the heart wants. That is not Scripture. And though we take a stand on that, we might be seen as outdated. And there might be someone hearing this message today that say, Ah, preacher, you've gone on a tangent. I have not. Because we are going to look this morning at what godly love is. And so we see it applied not only in the assault in the institution of marriage, but we can remember uh, not so long ago, on June 16th of 2012, there was a popular fast food restaurant chain that got in trouble because their CEO made a comment affirming uh, marriage between a man and a woman. That was called the Chick-fil-A boycott. Remember that fiasco? Who ever knew that Chick-fil-A would be such a controversial subject? You could mess with a lot of things, but don't mess with my Chick-fil-A. I'm telling you what. Man, now they went to meddling. Now we're having persecution. You know what I'm saying? But in, in all seriousness, it was a comment made in an interview uh, that the uh, CEO was making on a, a radio show, and it just went viral, and it turned into this huge boycott. He said, that actually, do you know what the CEO said? Let me tell you. He said, I think we are inviting God's judgment on our nation when we shake our fist at him and say, we know better than you as to what constitutes marriage. I pray mercy on your generation that has such a prideful, arrogant attitude to think that we have the audacity to define what marriage is about. I mean, amen. Now listen, now when, when, I, when I'm preaching this, there are people that, that are in those lifestyles that, that, that want to push for same-sex marriage. You've got that right in this America. And I love you in the love of the Lord to be able to feel that way. Because a sin is a sin, whether it be same-sex marriages or someone that lies on their taxes or someone that uses God's name in vain. A lie is a lie is a lie. And I'm going to love you, but I'm not going to approve of it. Just like their side will never approve of what we believe. But that's okay. We've got God on our side. Another instance we saw was in World Vision. That is a... A, a, an organization that uh, feeds children overseas, and you know you can adopt a child. And I can remember going to countless numbers of concerts and being, you know, they give you a child, and it'll write you, the child will write you letters, and you'll give money per month. We even at one point sponsored a child. Well, World Vision is very popular for that, but uh, not too long ago, uh, World Vision decided that they were going to actually allow same-sex couples to be hired and to, to exist in their organization. In a Christian organization, they, they basically said, we, the board got together and said, we are going to allow same-sex marriages in our workplace. Well, World Vision, after they made that statement, they lost 10,000 child sponsors because of that decision. It is so sad that the people that lost on that stance were the kids themselves. And although that happened, they're making 
a comeback because they reversed their decision. And folks, I want to tell you that 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 is indicative of the fact that you do have a voice. You can vote. You can vote with your money. And understand that although it's... If you stay on Facebook or if you stay on the news or if you stay on social media, you will be made to think that that is everywhere. That, that we are as, that we have lost the battle, but that is not true, folks. God is in control. The church is still here. And we need to show them a good, pure, pure holy love. And we see even some churches, unfortunately, are wrestling there are some denominations right now that they have on their dockets to discuss whether homosexuals can be priests or not. And just recently we see not only with, with the homosexuality movement, but also uh, with the birth control. Hobby Lobby has come under intense fire. And luckily they were allowed to be able to not have to provide what they felt like were unbiblical uh, birth control methods to their employees to be forced to do that. Now, if, if you would actually go back and read the ruling, you'll see that there are a lot of things that they do offer. But when it comes to uh, stopping the life of or ending the life of a baby, they decided that they don't want to do that. And luckily they were willful. But there is still blowout against that. Now, Listen, I'm not going to get on a political rant because I don't like to preach politics from the pulpit. But I'm just showing you that every one of these examples that I have shared with you today that are happening right in our backyard are done under the guise of love. Not godly love, but worldly love. And we have to be very careful that we as a church don't get lulled into the the, the abyss of a love apart from God. We have almost gotten moral vertigo. You know what vertigo is, where you, where you kind of you lose your balance and you lose sight of what is up and what is down because we have rejected God's absolute truth and turned to the book of opinions instead. John teaches in 1 John chapter 4 that there are false prophets and teachers who are under the influence of the Antichrist. They have the ears, the hearts, and the minds of people, but the counterfeit gospel they are teaching is dangerous. You can turn on your TV, you can turn on your phone, you can turn on your laptop or whatever else you got, and there is going to be somebody preaching the banner of love without confession of sin. Stay away from that teaching. It is no different than that monkey you saw with a gun. When we give somebody that is unstable a weapon to use on us, that is where we get in trouble. We need to make sure that we define love as biblical love. Because again, like I said, we think that that this is an all-out assault on our nation. Franklin Graham did a study, and he said that actually in uh, the, the homosexuality movement, that actually it constitutes 2% of our population. I was shocked because it's always in front of you. It's on the television shows. Oh, this character is going to come out on this show and they're going to come out of the closet. Or, you know, this character is going to do this. And this, Okay, 
It's all in front of us all the time, but it's not necessarily the truth. We still live in a corrupt nation. We still live in a corrupt culture. But we have a chance. We always have a chance when we stand with God. Amen? Okay. It says in here that we need to test a prophet to make sure they are biblically accurate. Does the teaching that someone teaches on, that, that, that when I preach, when anyone you hear on the TV or the radio or wherever, does their teaching build up the body of Christ? That is the kind of love that we need to preach, not one that separates. I've heard preachers get up in the pulpit and say that, that no one else understands um, us like anybody else. Don't just forget the old churches. We are the new church and we are the new way, alienating themselves from everybody else. You've got to watch out for that kind of teaching because that doesn't build the body. It tears it apart. It doesn't matter whether you lead music with an organ, a guitar, or a wash bucket with a big string on it, like the darlings used to do on Andy Griffith. It doesn't matter. We are worshiping. And we are worshiping. It might be different styles, and it might be different methods, but we need to make sure that we build the body. And does, when someone teaches on love, does their fruit, does their fruit of their lives back up what they claim? The second thing we see is that when we test a prophet and teacher, we need to see what spirit it is coming from. Hopefully, prayerfully, I as a pastor and a preacher am preaching under the influence of the Holy Spirit. If I am not, then God will judge me, and, and hopefully he will show you all, and, then, and, we, and I can get out of here. But my, my, my claim, my, my purpose is to speak what the Holy Spirit says. And for those that do not speak from the Holy Spirit, what spirit are they speaking from? What does the Bible say that we just read? From the spirit of the Antichrist. Folks, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there are many godly men and women that are on Capitol Hill, and I thank God for every one of them, but I am not going to let them define what biblical accuracy is and what biblical... Love is. Don't, I'm not preaching revolution, okay? I'm not trying to start a movement here because I pay my taxes and I follow the laws of this land and I vote and I pray for our politicians. But when there comes a point, much like with Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, to where my biblical beliefs come into to challenge with what the government beliefs are, I have to stand on God. That is not hate. That is love. That is love for God. But we see here that the spirit of the Antichrist is here. And false prophets will tell us what we want to hear. If you remember back when Moses was on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments, he was taking too long for the Israelites. What did they do? Hey, let's get all of our gold and all of our earrings, everything that we own, Put it into a melting pot. I love Aaron when, when Moses comes off the mountain and he challenges Aaron. Do you know what, I mean, you know what he says, right? Aaron says, Moses, we, we just put all this stuff in the, in, the, in, the, in the pot and boiled it and poof, the cow came out. <laughs> like, whoopsie. You know that's not what happened. They carefully fashioned 
and they melted and they, they formed that cap because they wanted to worship something because God was not on their timetable. And we have people that want to have love, want to give love, but they are not willing to wait and have the kind of love that God has for them. We've got to show them the way. Our world says that love is God, but the Bible says God is love. Verses 4 through 8 says, You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who listens to us, anyone who is not from God, does not listen to us. For this we know, the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. That is the litmus test. My friend, if you have a problem loving other people, we need to have a talk. Because if we do not have love in our lives, and if we are so much happier being miserable and mean, spirited, then we have to evaluate whether we have a relationship with God or not. Because the Bible says, if we do not have love, then we do not have God. God is love. I want to show you this saying. It says, love does not define God. But God defines love. Love does not define God, but God defines love. Our culture, the, the place that we live today, has got that backwards. And quit believing that. God does love everyone. And he wants everyone to come into a relationship with him. But that does not mean that he excuses their sin. How many times do we need to see in the Old Testament to where God obliterated people because he, they were not following him. When, when they were actually in the temples and they had idols and prophets of Baal in, the, in God's temple and he, he almost wiped them out. God takes sin seriously. And let me tell you something. God takes your sin seriously. Some of you well, I know some of you do have people in your family that are struggling with issues of, of love and the type of love that they have and the type of lifestyle they have. I've got them in my family too. I've served with them. I've ate dinner with them. We all have people that have gone astray. And I love them with all of my heart. But if they ask me where I stand, I've got to tell them. And I will tell them while I pat them on the back or I hug them and tell them that I'll be there for them. That's the kind of love God wants us to show. But we also see that God has proven his love. In verses 9 through 16, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, that we, that we loved God not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. 
No one has ever seen God, but we love one another. God remains in us, and his love is perfected in us. That's one thing that I'm so grateful for in this church. I know we don't have perfect people, but I can't tell you the number of people that when they come into this church, they say that they feel a sense of love from the people that are in there. You can't manufacture that. You can't put that in the bulletin and make it work. That, that's a testimony of the people that are within it. And if you're not one of those that love others, get on the train. Because that's where it's at. Because we're not going to build a church with hate. We must love one another as God loves. So we see that God revealed himself to us through his son, Jesus Christ. That's called the special revelation. And as a side note, what is godly love? How do you define it? How do you nail that at, at like a poster and put it on the wall and see what God's love is? Well, a great indicator of that is if you look in your Bibles at uh, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. The love chapter. I can't tell you how many weddings I've used that passage at. can't tell you how many times when we talked about God's love we use that passage. And as it is written within the context, Paul wasn't really talking about the love between one person and another person in a romantic sense. It works, don't get me wrong. It'll preach all day long. But who was Paul talking to? The folks in the church. The pew sitters. The pew jumpers. He was talking to the church, and he said to them in verses 4 through 7 of 1 Corinthians 13, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not conceited. It does not act properly, improperly. It is not selfish. It is not provoked and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. That is the kind of love that God wants us to share with others. But we cannot share what we do not possess. Amen? How do we love others like God loves them? It's to experience His love for ourselves. He was the propitiation for our sins. That basically means that God provided a way for us to be forgiven through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we see that if we are truly believers, we will have the Holy Spirit working within our lives. In verses 13 through 15 of 1 John chapter 4, it says, This is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given assurance to us from His Spirit. And we have seen and we testify that God the Father has sent His Son into the world as a Savior. Whoever confesses Jesus, as the Son of God, remains in him, and he is in God. And we have come to know and believe the love of God that he has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. When it comes to our love of God, I want you to understand, it is not just intellectual assent. In other words, it doesn't mean that we just sit down and we agree that God is love. It's not about, love is not about the mind, is it? Love is about the heart. Love is about what we believe. It's where we place our emotions and where we place our trust and understand that if we are to truly have love in our lives, if we want God's love in our lives, God's love is holy. What does that mean? 
It means that if something is holy, it is set apart for God's purpose. Whether you be 15 or 55 or 105, I want you to understand something. If someone says they love you, it needs to be a love that is pure and holy. True love will never ask you to be something you're not. How many times have poor couples come to get married thinking, oh, when we get married, I'm going to change him. <laughs> I'm going to change her when we get married. How does it work out for you? Not too good. It's not about what we can change and what we can manipulate to make good for us. It's about how we can love as God has loved us. And finally, we see that God's love is perfected in us. God's love perfects us. Verses 17 through 19, it says, In this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For we are His, He is in the world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not rejected or reached perfection in love. We love because he first loves us. Understand that God's love makes us fearless. By that, he's, John is starting to talk about the end times here. Now listen, I am not excited about the end times, but when Jesus Christ comes and the sky splits and he comes to take us where he is and everything that we've studied in the passage to be true, that it is just as credible as the flood, it is just as credible as Jesus living on this earth and dying and resurrecting for our sins. When it comes to pass that Jesus Christ, the sky splits, I am not going to be fearful. I'm going to be going, yes! And I hope you are too because that's the kind of love that we have. Do we all fear dying? Absolutely. How we're going to go? I, I don't want to know how I'm going to go. I just want it to happen. But when it happens, there will be no fear in death. Maybe you've had the opportunity. I know I have. I've had the opportunity to see people go on to this next life that did not know the Lord. You can tell. You can absolutely tell. But for those that are rooted and built up in a relationship through Jesus Christ, there is no fear in that. We can have confidence. Then also we see that God makes us loving. We have the capacity to love because God loved us first. If you are here today and you say that I can't forgive that person, or how could I ever love that person because? Those are questions that you'll never get answers to. Why did this happen to me? If someone loved me, why did they do that? Well, it's because they weren't practicing a godly love. Love is not all-inclusive. The term love does not mean you can do whatever you want and everything's going to be okay. Love has parameters. God's love is holy. And we know this because that, that would be like, oh my goodness. I remember one time um, we were, uh, some, some guys and I were, were hanging out and uh, his wife came to visit us and uh, actually it was like a fire station thing and we were all just kind of hanging out. And so he was on duty, so his children came to visit us. 
and they were terrors. I mean, they really were. They were, they were, uh, they were a handful. And so we thought it would be a good idea. We went to the vending machine, and we got packs of Skittles, M&M's, anything with sugar. <laughs> and we thought it was funny. And we gave all that candy to those kids. They were just going everywhere. And his wife was like, I am never bringing them up here again. And I hate y'all because, I mean, they were, they were on cloud nine. They were going nuts. And the thing is, is that I just, I, I just randomly thought of that because when you think of the way the world defines love, if you define love as you do whatever you want and be happy with it, it would be just those kids loved getting that candy. They loved every gram of sugar that introduced into their little body. And it made them crazy. And if we accept love without the boundaries within God has placed it, we are going to destroy ourselves. That is the plan of the devil. God makes us loving. When we were lost, we lived in fear. And we knew nothing of God's love. But after we placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we found a mixture of love and fear in our hearts. I do fear. You know what I fear? Coming up short of what God expects of me. Because He has done so much for me. As we grow in our relationship with God, we live by the Holy Spirit, which expels fear. I remember when the first... The, was it the first time? I actually got saved twice. Did you know that? The first time was just a warm-up, I guess. Got baptized twice as well. First time I was saved, I was young, and I just I felt the pulling, and I went, and nothing changed in my life. And so, what you know what happened? I walked an aisle, and I got wet. But when I got older, I, I do believe that decision, I believe the Holy Spirit, that was a marker of the Holy Spirit beginning to work on me at a young age. But when I got into high school, I realized fully my sin. And I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, and I was baptized, and I have not gone back since. But I can remember the, the, the youth pastor saying, okay, when we come to church Sunday, I want you to walk down the aisle, and, uh, and we'll take you by the hand, we'll pray with you. And I'm like, <gasps> what? In front of all these people? I'm scared. And he pulled that old verse that, that it just drives me nuts. Well, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. I'm like, I don't want to be ashamed. But you know, when I was young and I was first a Christian, I used the term, I, I was taken on hell with a water pistol. I mean, there, there was nothing that I, I was afraid to do. But as I got older in my faith, Fears started to creep in. Insecurities started to creep in. And according to this, if, if God's love expels fear, what does that mean? I was limiting God's love in my life. Listen to me, church member. Listen to me, person that is saved. Or listen to me, that person that is lost. If we ignore or drive out God's love in our lives, we will have lives that are full of fear. And we do not lose fear. 
until we experience God's love. God is love. Love starts with God. Love ends with God. And that love of him sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on your sin, for your sins, to have a relationship with him, that offer is always valid until he comes back. Living without fear leads to obedience, which leads to a greater intimacy with God. Have you come to a point where you said, God, I will give you everything in my life but this. I will give you everything, Lord, but not this relationship, not this checkbook, not this toy that I've got, whatever it might be, not this relationship. I can't let go of that, God. We learn from Abraham and Isaac. Why did Abraham ask him to sacrifice his son Isaac on Mount Moriah? Because he knew, God knew that he would never have all of Abraham until he had Isaac. God will never have all of you until you give him everything. Now this is not just a a sermon to say just love Jesus and everything's going to work out all right. That's not the promise that we're given. But what we are given is that we will know true love if we have a relationship with him. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him. You've never experienced God's love in your life. And you want to accept him as your Savior and Lord. Come forward this morning. I beg, I plead with you. Come forward and let me pray with you. And let's get that right. So you can experience love as God has intended it. But there are many in here that have been Christians a long time. And I just want to remind you that in the midst of all your commitments and all of the children that you have raised and all of the things that you've seen in your life, I want you to see the the fine thread in all of that has been God's love. Don't buy into the lie that love is all-inclusive and you can do whatever you want as long as you love something. That's not God's love. God's love is holy and pure and sacrificial. Let's pray. God, thank you for this sermon. Thank you for the fact that, Lord, you gave your son to die on the cross for our sins. And that, Lord, if we have fear in our lives, Lord, it is because we are not allowing your love to fully manifest itself in us. And, Lord, we do live in a world that is trying to sidestep you. They think the Bible is irrelevant. They think that our methods and our beliefs are outdated and archaic. But, Lord, we know as believers that we have seen in our lives that your love, your way, has protected us, Lord. And given us a love, a life much better than we have when we are trying to live it on our own. And help us to be able to communicate this to the world, not through hate, but in a loving way to where we love them, but we do not condone the sin that they are in. We can take a stand for you and love others at the same time. That's what you're calling us to do today, because you are love. This invitation time is for you, Lord. For someone that may want to accept you as their Savior and Lord, or join this church, or come forward for prayer, Lord, this invitation is yours. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?